and welcome to Are We Gundam or Are We Isekai, the podcast that finally has a light at the end of the tunnel. My name is Jeremy. I have a combining super attack that I didn't reveal until this episode. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. All right, so in four weeks, we will all be vaccinated, and this hell can end and we can go back to destiny. Yep, we're 33% done. I should say that that will mean five more episodes for you, most likely, because I get vaccinated that day, and I doubt I will want to go celebrate by recording Destiny, but we'll see. You're also supposed to wait two weeks after getting it if you're doing the Pfizer. Are you? Oh, I did not was not aware of that. So six weeks. That, that kind of lines up with Build Divers ending pretty well. So do we just want to commit to finishing Build Divers, and then we'll go back to Destiny? Want to? <laughs> exactly. Want is a strong word, but that seems like a reasonable course of action. I mean, we could get to the penultimate episode and leave it there forever. If we got down to it where it's like we're at one or two episodes left, I feel like I'd just want to finish it to close the book on it rather than have it just kind of hanging open. So we will be back to Destiny when we are done with Build Divers in seven goddamn episodes, eight if you include the one we're doing right now. I feel like we're going to have to do like a Destiny recap episode. Maybe release it like a day before we release the actual Destiny episode. But I think that's a very good idea because we left in like a the middle of a battle. Like those are three episodes that I will like I don't rewatch Destiny a lot, but I rewatch those three episodes every so often. And we ended in the middle of them this week, though. We still have Gundam Build Divers to work with. And we are watching episode 18, A Man's Will which is just a full episode of Bill Divers, isn't it? I don't really have any feelings about this episode. There's some things it does fine, right? It doesn't advance the plot in any way, but that's nothing new. I was going to say it would be fine if we had an episode like this if, you know, there was a plot. It seems like an episode that should have happened six episodes ago, which I feel like is every episode of Bill Divers. And I had the thought of Yuki gets his spotlight episode immediately removed from cast for the next episode. Right. Look, you ruining my joke about uh, when they're like, where's Yuki? And Riku's like, he tried to have his own episode, so he's banned now. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a nothing episode. Like, they want you to be on their page, but at the same time, it's like, the only interesting thing that happens is he lost the fight, as opposed to just winning it like he has everything else. And we've been saying we want that for so long now, but now is the time for him to win and not lose. The first part of it should have been him getting his shit pushed in, and now is when he's starting to kind of turn things around, but he's been constantly successful. And the loss doesn't feel meaningful in any way either, I don't think. Because he doesn't lose anything in the actual loss. He gains from the loss, basically. Which is what you want early on, right? Yeah. But is the wrong move here? Tyler, do you have any thoughts? I will say I was kind of pleasantly surprised that it didn't just end with Riku winning, but it was also tonally off, I agree. It was like the only joke in the entire episode that made me like actually kind of breathe quickly through my nose. I was fully expecting him to pull out his bullshit attack and win the fight, I will admit. I think structurally what's going on here is the idea was we had the introductory bit, right? And then we have the first arc. I think the idea is here is we give each of the build divers a spotlight episode. Like last week was Yuki's before that was Ayame's, this one's supposed to be Riku's. And I think the Lotus Challenge is supposed to be Koichi's because he's the one who builds the Kinda shuttle and it. is the reason they triumph. But at the same time, he's so underdeveloped in that episode. There's no time for him. And next week would be Momo's. I would have said that episode would have been another Riku episode, the Lotus Challenge, because it's all focused on the double O sky since that's the first time they take it out. It's really not, though. Like, we even talked about it in that episode. 
but it's not a good showcase for the Double O Sky. The first time we really get one is this episode, I feel. It's probably because they were trying to do both at the same time. I just wonder if that was the idea. Because boy, are these spotlight episodes bad and nothing. Like this Riki one, I think, is a little better than Yuki's last week, but only a little. Do we want to just get into it? Yeah, let's. I think there's actually a fair amount that happens early in the episode that I'm interested in outside of, you know, the actual open. All right. So we are, as I said earlier, watching episode 18, A Man's Will. You can watch it on Crunchyroll or YouTube or Funimation, but we recommend you don't. So we start in space where the G5 attack mission is starting and we see the double O sky on its own in space just flying when it is assaulted by a pair of red Gundams, specifically a Gundam and a Gundam Mark II. Well, it's a red Gundam and a black Gundam. Riku very quickly dispatches of the Gundam, but the Mark II gives him a little more trouble. It does its attack from the opening sequence, or rather tries, but Riku kicks it and then shoots it, taking it out. (laughs) I feel really disappointed that the shields just, like, come right off of those things. Yeah. That's explicitly a reference to the opening sequence of Zeta Gundam, but yeah. Ah. Speaking of, a very poorly animated Zeta Gundam and a double Zeta come at him next. Like, the Zeta Gundam just looks like a jet to me. It does not look like a transformed Zeta Gundam at all. I didn't know that was supposed to be the Zeta Gundam. My guess was that it was like a Sky Grasper of some kind. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. The proportions are all off. I will admit, the black double Zeta was actually kind of neat. It's not the full armor, so I didn't recognize it. Since my primary familiarity with the double Zeta is with the full armor out of the Super Robot Wars games. And lots of video games. The full armor is in the final episode, so it's usually the version that gets referenced, even though it's not in the majority of the series. Riku has a Beam War Dragon Ball Z style with the double Zeta and wins because it's not the full armor and doesn't have the forehead beam. They beam saber clash, but Riku also overcomes that. The Zeta starts shooting it from above and transforms. And then Riku is cut between a rock and a hard place with both of them coming in on either side of him. But then he remembers that time Ogre praised him for being Spider-Man and does a blast from his twin engine wings, sure, to slow them down. And apparently has beam Vulcans, which allows him to trade places with the double Zeta and shoot them both with his big laser. I really hoped he was just going to dodge and cause them to hit each other. But before he can recover, Fin Funnels destroy his beam and he is being attacked by a... I'm not sure if this is a high new or a double Fin Funnel new Gundam. We don't really get a good look at it. Apparently Riku has beam shields, which I mean, given that the Destiny has those, it makes some sense. It's just this is the first time he's used them on the wrists. We've seen them on the knee before when he does the kick. But yeah, it's the first time he's used them on the wrist like that. And they look different from the one that the Destiny carried, so... Speaking of the knee shields, he uses them to kick some beams back at the funnels, destroying them, and we reveal the Gundam. It looks more like it's the double fin funnel version to me, but it's deliberately colored like the Freedom Gundam, which takes its colors from the high new, so it's a little hard to tell for me. Yeah, I'm not really sure, since, like I said, you don't get a good look at it. Regardless, it is a new Gundam of some sort, but Riku chops off his hands and tries to beam saber it, only to be stopped by its barrier. So he's like, I watch Gundam see Destiny. I know how to destroy a Freedom Gundam or something that looks like one. And he does the thing Shin does to destroy the Freedom Gundam. Then he just stabs it with his big sword. And then mission complete. And Riku's like, oh, how's my time? We cut to a football field full of fans watching him on TV. This isn't a football field. This is a soccer stadium. Football. Soccer. Either way, it's ridiculous that more than five people are watching this. In this space. Like, I could believe more people watching it if this is, like, some kind of special event, which is what it seems to be. But 
like at the same time, why would everybody be in the stands like that when you could easily watch it elsewhere in more comfort? Although I guess it is also technically online, so it's not really comfort to begin with. Regardless, we zoom in on the big TV in the center and we are scrolling through the rankings. Randy, unfortunately, is number eight. I don't know how they missed it. It's obvious what you're supposed to do here, guys. Was it deliberate? I kind of wonder if it was. I noticed that too. I also want to point out Wiggins down there at number 13. That's just someone's screen name is Wiggins. He's part of the guild Baker Street. But yeah, Randy is number eight because Tiger Wolf is number seven. Yeah, I mean, he's also up there with most of the other ones we can see like like you said randy's there but most of the other names i don't think we recognize i saw sharyar uh, is actually higher than tiger wolf too yeah so are the champ and ogre though we don't see that until later riku makes number 10 though which is impressive because as we said there are a bunch of pretty good characters that we recognize including like we said tiger wolf at number seven sharyar at five and the infamous pumpkin man at four that one made me laugh. That's like one of the only people that's like on the top 10 list he hasn't met. Anyway, an announcer is very excited that Riku made it in the top 10. And Momo hugs Sarah. And the Bill Divers and their mom, Maggie, are like, hey, good for him. Can everybody enter this? Or is this like only the leaders of the teams are able to enter this thing? Because only Riku does. Or we only see Riku do it. Yeah, they might have all done it. I don't know how to parse this event at all, right? Is it you get one try? Is it you get three tries and however well you do? Is it only for leaders? We don't see, at least I don't think we see anyone from other guilds on here. We have a guild list and I don't see any duplicates. Like, is it done in heats? I have no idea. The one that would make sense to me would be three tries and it takes your best time. Yeah, that's what I would also assume. I guess the details are not actually super important. Meanwhile, speaking of sitting in comfort, cut to Avalon Castle, where the champ is watching on his nice couch that he does not let his lieutenant sit on. I I could definitely (laughs) see his guy lieutenant, whose name I don't remember. I could definitely see him just kind of hanging out, leaning on the couch to begin with, because that's just how he operates. And his other subordinate is like always at attention. That's true. And the champ says something pissy. We also cut the Rommel sitting in his command tent, sipping on his nice drink, being like, ah. The raid battle is coming up soon, and a formidable rival has appeared. I was going to say, this guy's shooting fireballs diagonally downward. Number two is a guy named Gunboy. I love it so much. (laughs) That was the original name for the Gundam when they pitched it. The Gunboy. Yeah. Uh, The champ is number one, and Ogre is number three. Followed closely by Pumpkin Man. Tiger Wolf's like, oh man, I remember when that kid sucked and was a complete amateur, but now he's only three places behind me. We should kung fu fight. Cut to the opening. We cut back to Build Divers Island. Where they have a pool. That's a crappy pool, by the way. Yes. But if you've ever been in a hotel pool right next to the beach, they are all crappy pools. Because they are right next to the beach. Yeah, I think I have been. And Although, to be fair, most hotel pools are kind of crappy pools. I weirdly love Riku's swimsuit. Momo's looks sexier than she would actually want to wear. Although, maybe not. Maybe that's not true. Ayame's is fine. Something about Riku's like overshirt that's a hoodie, but a beach shirt. Like, I don't know what it is. I really like it. It's very Final Fantasy. It looks like something Kira would wear. That I... might be it, actually. It doesn't have quite enough Nomura belts, but maybe it's because it's swimwear. Also, Kuichi is dressed like a dad at the pool in his salmon shirt. You missed the most important part of this, Jeremy, and that's that Ayami is wearing her mask in her swimsuit. <laughs> I love that. Well, she's still a ninja. I do like Sarah's suit as well, which I guess probably the reason Momo's in a two-piece is obviously Sarah's in a one-piece and they wanted the... Diversity. Yeah, that's probably it. 
Ayame's also in a two-piece. Yeah, but only one character gets to wear a one-piece sack. This is the closest we're going to get to a Hot Springs episode. Thank God. Unless you count last week when Doji and Yuki were naked together by the fire. <laughs> I think that episode should have counted for Sunrise Island. <laughs> Fair. Also, I find Momo's tail looks really weird in her swimsuit. In a way, I think it would in a video game, but... It didn't really bother me because it doesn't have a lot of screen time. But yeah, it does look a little weird. Probably because it's a different color. I think that's what throws me off. That might be it. So the girls are in the pool while the guys watch. Well, Riku can't swim, so... <laughs> no, Zach, that sounds like a character trait. Riku doesn't have those. <laughs> Riku's like, hey, should we really be relaxing here? And Koichi's like, speaking of that, I, we haven't seen Yuki for a while. And Riku's like, yeah, I banned him because he tried to have his own episode without me. I mean, he's building a Gumpla and has posters of the ex in his room. And Koichi is like, I can be a proud father now. And Koichi's like, I understand, and that explains why he's not here if you banned him outright. And a wild tiger wolf appears. He's like, so this is your cool new forest nest, huh? I wonder how they work. Can anybody just show up, or is the tiger wolf able to just kind of wander up to their forest nest because of the fact that he has them on his friends list? I was going to guess that. Or did they make an alliance with Toroboryu? Or maybe you can set your forest nests to be accessible to anybody, like anybody can show up, or put them to private so only team members can be there. When they did the Lotus Challenge, it was said that that was their force nest, that team's. And also, this island like exists in the world and they bought it, right? So maybe you can just come here? Because it's public, and maybe you can set your force nest to be private or public. Well, I mean, it would make sense if you could set the the force nest itself. Like you get, you have the island, and anybody can show up to the island. But then the force nest where they actually are set to private. I would also believe that unless Tiger Wolf got a specific invite, he wouldn't be able to go through the door. It's also not super relevant. No, I just had that thought of. I wonder how exactly they work. Uh, so anyway, a wandering sales tiger shows up to their door. And Riku's like, what's up? Is it a social call? And he's like, sorta. I was hoping to talk to you, specifically. Like, you want to go behind this rock? And Riku's like, sure. What did you want to talk about? He's like, well, the thing is, every year I have a tournament with a bunch of exhibition battles called the Ryu Kosai. Don't worry, the dub pronounces it wrong every time in a different way. <laughs> Whenever it's a situation like that, I have to wonder if they're doing it intentionally. Anyway, Rika's like, wow, that sounds cool. Wait, are you inviting us? He's like, no, I'm inviting you. Well, I mean, in one case, it does make some sense that it would only be Riku because the rest of his team really doesn't seem to be all that interested in a one-on-one -on -one type of fight or most of the fighting. Like, Ayame is their best pilot, and she doesn't even seem like she's that keen on getting better. Yeah, she's also a ninja trickster. That's not really honorable one-on-one -on -one duels. An honorable one-on-one -on -one duel is any duel you happen to win. So anyway, Tiger was like, 1v1 me at Ryukasai, bro. And Riku's like, you? And he's like, yeah, that's what I just said. I want to see whose gunplay is stronger. So Riku has a vacant, emotionless stare, because that is the only thing he can reply with. Or repeating the thing that was just said. Cut the sun down. And then we get more exposition about how Mr. Tiger challenged you to a battle, but he's your master. And Riku's like, yeah, I don't know. And... Mo was like, why would your master possibly want to fight you? And Ayami's like, ah, oh, in Ninja Wars, it usually means that you recognize your people's strength. And Riku's like, what does that mean? I don't understand concepts. And so Koichi has to explain it. It's like, dude, he sees you as a rival. He wants to fight you. It's not that complicated. And he's, he's like, me, but I'm so boring. And everyone says I'm good, but I don't believe that. See, it would make sense if Riku didn't believe he was that strong, if we were shown him struggling to overcome the challenges, but he's done so many things effortlessly that this comes off as disingenuous. 
And that way, when everybody's saying, yeah, you're actually really good, but you keep going up against things that are out of your weight class, that makes that make more sense. That's why everybody keeps saying, oh, yeah, he's actually really good. It's just he keeps facing off against diamonds and platinums instead of his, you know, own silver rank right now. I think it's worth noting that he just made top 10 in this contest, right? And we don't really know what the context is of it, but we know the champ and Ogre and Tiger Wolf and Sharia all did it. And while they're all ahead of him, top 10 isn't bad for sure. And it's one of the first times where I feel like the show did a genuinely good job of showing Riku overcome something because it didn't feel effortless for him. He didn't get number one. He got number 10 and we saw him do it all. We didn't see him training or anything, but we've seen so much of that. That doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, it's more of the early part of the series kind of had to do its homework for this. Ayami's like, yeah, you're pretty strong. You're probably our best pilot. You're definitely second best if you're not. But are you satisfied right now? And Riku's like, no, I'm a shonen protagonist. I want to be better. He wants to be the very best, like the champion ever was. I mean, that's at least a character motivation. The problem is it's like the one of the most bland character motivation right up there with murdered parents. So Ayami's like, so you should accept Tiger Wolf's challenge. He's like the sixth best that there ever was. And it's not often that you get a chance to one-on-one someone that's super high rank. He has them all on his friends list. I wouldn't be surprised if he couldn't go out and ask them if they wanted to fight him. It seems to be a pretty easy thing to do. On the other hand, I think we get a lot of implications that that doesn't happen very often for whatever reason. It probably shouldn't in a game like this. But we see Maggie and Tiger Wolf's story, which is kind of that, right? And that's what Riku kind of says he's going to do. And they've gone to Maggie for help a lot, but Maggie has never offered to 1v1 them, despite having giving them a lot of good advice. Well, isn't Maggie also supposed to be like number three or something like that in the world? He's up there. It's very vague intentionally. Well, I thought they said what his rank was. They say his force is number 21. Okay. Someone was like, don't think of it as a learning experience. You have to fight to win because we're very competitive. Which, that's the thing, is that you want to fight to win, but you should treat it as a learning experience because that's how you get better. Like, you could do both. There's a difference between, I'm just going to try some stuff and I'm going to try my hardest to win. You can still learn from both, especially with a high-rank opponent, right? Well, it depends, because if you go up against a high-rank opponent and he just absolutely mops the floor with you, if he's too high-rank, you won't learn anything because he... Like, he's not going to give you a chance, but if it's someone closer to your level, then you can learn, even if he does end up wiping the floor with you. So cut to later that night where Tiger Wolf is just staring at his Gumpla, and a wild Maggie appears. He's like, I heard you invited Riku to the Ryokusai, right? I mean, I guess rumors travel super fast because I'm not sure who would tell anyone that. Although I can't believe Momo or Sarah would just tell Maggie, so I suppose that tracks. Maggie's actually probably where the rumor starts in this case. That would actually make a lot of sense, especially because like, if somebody were to ask Maggie for a pointer. like I could also see Riku asking Maggie for a pointer before this comes up. So Maggie's like, you're as impatient as always. If you want the battle real, you can just wait for an official match, which is such a weird phrase, right? I mean, it is super consistent with what we've seen from Build Divers. It's just not how any video game works. For ranked matches? Well, an official match. Like, they have to wait to be matched together is the implication that Maggie seems to be giving. I guess, yeah, would have to be thrown together for matchmaking, but... Tiger's like, I was bored impatient. And Maggie's like, that's what you said when you fought me three years ago. And now Tiger's like, yeah, flashback. And then I wiped the floor with you. (laughs) I love that Maggie's suit doesn't even appear to be damaged at all. Well, it was also, that's what they were saying, is that he just absolutely mopped the floor with Tiger Wolf. And Tiger's like, I was absolutely speechless. And Maggie's like, no, that's my line. Do you remember how many times you kept coming to challenge me after that? You wouldn't leave me alone. 
It was like a Mike Guy Kakashi situation. Tiger Wolf's like, yes, that's how I am. I am a Mike Guy. That's how the fearsome maverick Tiger Wolf lives. I'm now getting a like a just a picture of this dude is like some 30s odd salary man. For sure. And Maggie's like, what's gotten into you? He's like, I used to be proud of being a lone wolf. But then I got a force, and that was cool and all. And I won't want to let everybody down, but I remember how it used to be when I was super competitive, and I miss that. I feel like I'm drifting away from what I truly desire, which makes sense. Like, if I really want to go head-to-head with strong opponents, and I'm running this force, I don't really get to do both. And we have the best descriptor of Riku out of this series. Tiger Wolf's always called Riku a blank slate, but he does so again here, and he's absolutely right. He does not know how accurate he is. And it's hilarious. I mean, they're not uh, using it in the term that we are always using it as, but they didn't realize they hit the nail right on the head with that simple statement. Yep. So Katariku looking over the double O sky as Tiger Wolf says he wants to be the very best, like no one ever was, which has made him very good very quickly. And specifically, we see him playing with the shoulder joints, which I guess is kind of nice foreshadowing or consistency within the episode. Good job, Bill Divers. You get half a point there and tiger was like watching him made me remember why i came to gbn which is simple to battle and defeat strong players i'm not going to make a uh metaphor about food because that gimmick's taken but i am gonna fight riku then i'll fight shariar and rommel and then the champion i'm gonna be the very best like no one ever was so i'm tiger wolf of the trifang and i'm gonna start by defeating this child look first you take candy from baby then you take candy from store then you take candy from company is that how that works yeah Cut back to Riku still messing with his gumplo. Oh, Yuki appears. And Riku's like, I told you you're not allowed in this episode. Go home. What the hell are you doing here? Yuki's like, relax, relax. I just came to be a supporting character for a second. Hey, you remember the first time we met Tiger Wolf? I don't, because if I did, the lessons he taught us would have been relevant to the last episode. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he taught us the basics about living in GBN. But you don't. I'm wondering if some of these people do. I feel like Rommel does. Well, one of the differences there is that like, I get the feeling that Rommel is like a pro gamer, and this is the game that he plays. So it would make sense. He's not necessarily like, I live in GBN, but it's because he has to spend so much time there running his esports team that it seems like it. This game doesn't seem to have any sort of pro circuit, which I would like it to have, but it's fine that it doesn't for the fantasy they're trying to tell. But I am now just imagining Rommel on Patreon. Like, he's a pro gamer. He just is funded through his Patreon. He's like, yeah, at this tier, you get to be my colonel, and I will teach you <laughs> this much. At this tier, you're a grunt, and you can be on my team, but you have to have a Zaku. And no one can be an animal except me. So Yuki's like, hey, if you're grateful to Tiger Wolf, you have to repay the favor. And Yuki's like, the favor? And Yuki explains for all the international viewers and the childs who don't know, that in Shogi, when a apprentice defeats their master, it's called repaying the favor. I mean, I didn't know about this, so... Like I said, it's a cultural thing. Shogi is not exactly big in America, so it's fine. Anyway, Yuki's like, I think it means that the student could only win because the master taught them everything. Anyway, I'll show up to just be a cheerleader. I promise I won't do anything this episode. Just let me be in it a little. And Riku's like, okay, I guess. Cut to Korin's Tower, where they're having the strongest under the heavens martial arts tournament. For a secret tournament, there are a lot of fans here. It didn't sound like it was secret, honestly. It sounded like it's just invitation only to participate. The first match is Jet Wong versus our Patrick Kulisar cameo. That is uh, pretty obvious on that one. He's got his name there. And apparently Kulisar just gets his ass kicked. That is incredibly in keeping with his character from Double O. There's a lot of G Gundam going on here, which makes sense since Tiger Wolf is part of the G Gundam faction. 
Even the champion's here. He's not even watching on his couch. He's in the stands. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to see Riku fight Tiger Wolf. Rommel has his own booth. He's got the box seating, and they're doing scouting. How did he swing that, do you wonder? I feel like Rommel swings everything. (laughs) What does he do to have such ridiculous influence with people? I'm very confused. He's got one hell of a successful Patreon. Speaking of which... (laughs) patreon.com slash last podcast is our patreon where you can hear us not talk about evangelion because we haven't done it in a long time even though that fourth movie is out we did a bonus episode on stuff we've been consuming lately though i talk about madoka a bit and a lot about paper mario tyler talks about subnautica i think i've been reading the spider light novels i've gotten really into those zach talks about oh i'm a spider so what and i don't cut it out i'm almost considering picking those up just because i've been enjoying the anime so much That's why I did it. Back to Gundam and away from shameless plugs. It's never explicitly said, but I'm pretty sure Rommel is number two. That's consistent with the pre-episode and various stuff people say. That's my guess, is that Rommel's force, at the very least, is number two. Rommel himself might not be the number two player, but his force is most certainly the second place force in in uh, GBN. I also get the feeling that it's a much bigger force than Avalon. Like, it's got sub-forces and such. The Rommel force is basically like a... Uh, entire organization whereas the avalon team is more of just like a team yeah and i believe rommel probably has a lot of capital because of that anyway rommel's like make sure you collect all the machine data and binoculars guy's like yes sir i mean that makes perfect sense this is a great opportunity to get some scouting done it'll even come up explicitly later so Koichi's like, the fourth match just started. It's time for you to warm up, Riku. I do love Momoka being a G-Gundam character for a second and telling him to get pumped, complete with manga sound effects appearing behind her. And she's got like the snaggle tooth. And then I love the, not, not entirely chibi, but differently animated Ayame being like, uh, you really don't need to pump him up that much. Momo's like, you don't need to pump him up that much. Sarah's looking back at the double O sky and is like, hey, it doesn't look like he changed anything, but I can tell you did because I'm a Gumplo Lorax. And Riku's like, yeah, that was kind of implied earlier, but thanks for stating it explicitly. I need to give my best or to be disrespectful to Tiger Wolf. I mean, he's not entirely wrong there. In a situation like this, giving anything less than your best would be kind of rude. It's a little weird that the first real showcase I feel for the 00 Sky comes after he's modified it slightly. But the slow modification is something I genuinely really like from the Build Diver series, that or the Build series in general, that you don't get in a lot of other Gundam stuff, so... It's fine. Well, it's a lot easier for characters in a series like this to modify Gunpla, whereas a lot of the other Gundam series, they're not really in a position to modify their equipment because they're either behind enemy lines or they don't have the opportunity to take the time to take the thing apart and add new parts to it. Yeah, except IBO, where they're constantly adding, just tossing stuff onto the uh, Lupus. That's not what it's called, the Barbatos. It becomes the Barbatos Lupus Rex later, but I chose the wrong word to take from that. Meanwhile, Tiger Wolf is meditating while Shariar comes to call him an idiot. Tiger Wolf is like, ah, yes, a pre-match makeout is always good to get the testosterone flowing. But Shariar's (laughs) like, no, the raid battle is coming up, and you're just going to reveal all your tricks here fighting Riku. It's dumb. That is the thing that I got as well. It's like, you're going to show everybody the aces up your sleeves here. Although at the same time, Tiger Wolf is a famous enough player that I don't really think that he's got anything to hide at this point either. I mean, if he has modified his Gumpo, though, since his last match, he may have some tricks up his sleeve that he has not revealed, right? That's true enough, I guess. Like, Shariar for sure has done something to his Gumpo that has done new stuff, right? Which is why he's calling him out here. I actually really like this scene for actually demonstrating differences between Shariar and Tiger Wolf. Shariar is thinking more ahead than Tiger Wolf is? 
Yeah, he's much more secretive and tactical and like, hey, you shouldn't show stuff up. And Tiger Wolf's like, no, the best man will win. It's not about having an ace up your sleeve. Plus, I want to do this. You always want to have an ace up your sleeve. It's not cheating if you don't get caught. I also really like this scene where they actually like acknowledge that they like each other. <laughs> they have a bit of a flirty moment. It's mostly because pretty much every other time they're uh, fighting with each other, despite the amount that we joke about it. Like, obviously not with any serious intent. But this is the first time where we like actually see them like acknowledge, smirk each other. There's at least mutual respect there. Yeah, and I think they only do that because they're in private. It's like, actually, good character moment. Good job, Bill Divers. Another half a point. Meanwhile, some random-ass Jagan has defeated Dan. So, he's not a random-ass Jagan. He's uh, one of the guys in Tiger Wolf's employee who got knocked out of the way when Daniel first stormed the base. Ah, actually, that's a good point. And, like, Daniel seems to be a decent human being here. He's like, ah, congratulations on the win. It clearly means a lot to you. I mean, I do like that callback. Because especially since, especially since they did say that they yet to be invited to this event. And like we said, Tequila Dan, his greatest crime was playing the video game. Anyway, Tiger Wolf's like, I am a wall, Riku, and I'm going to stand in your way, and you're not going to overcome me. It's a metaphor for what's going on. And by a metaphor, I mean a common narrative device. If you defeat me, you might develop, and I can't allow that. This is Bill Divers. <laughs> Apparently, this was the headliner match, the final one. I mean, that makes sense, because it's the leader of the force. Yeah, I, it does make sense. They do some martial arts posing. The rules are the same as before, not that we told you then. There's no time limit, and the first person to incapacitate the other wins. Rommel notes that Riku didn't bring a rifle. And he's all geared for close combat. He's going to try and beat Tiger Wolf at Tiger Wolf's game. Alternatively, uh, he just watched G Gundam is really amped up about that. Well, I mean, if you're going to fight against Tiger Wolf, whose Gundam draws heavily from G Gundam, if you're going to prepare, watching G Gundam is probably your best bet. Although I believe someone at some point points out, hey, shouldn't he have brought a rifle and try to keep him at range? Like Riku's double O sky is an all-rounder, and one of the benefits of that is you get to fight at your opponent's weak range. You don't excel anywhere, but you get to dictate where you want to fight at. Although his uh, his big swords are not really good for dealing with fast mobile suits because they're big, heavy, and it's way too easy for people to get inside their reach. Which is immediately what happens. From the word go, Riku draws his sword to Slash, and Tiger Wolf is already in on him, and sends him to the wall. He rebounds quickly, though, but once he's in melee again, he gets anime punched away. The way they animated it made it look like he got thrown. I think the first time he gets thrown, and the second time he gets punched. Well, when he comes back in, it looked like he got, like, judo thrown, but he says such punching power, so... It looks like a punch to me. I actually also thought it was a throw, but it doesn't matter a ton. His arm is strong. Uh, okay, I can see it. It does look like he grabs him, but like the follow-through motion is a punch. So I, I think it's just not very clearly animated. In the dust cloud, Tiger Wolf comes in for the attack and does some anime kicks. And he's like, I will tell you your reek point, Riku. Those shoulders are massive as fuck, and they limit your range of motion. Zack hates them for a reason. <laughs> it's not even like the huge shoulder pauldrons of another series. So Tiger Wolf tries to use his Altron head, but Riku manages to block it. And he is in close combat mode where he moves the shoulder joints down. He moves his shoulder joints down. So now he has double O sky fanny pack mode. <laughs> Which has a lower center of gravity and more mobility in the arms. And the champion is impressed because he likes transformations. And Tiger likes like, yeah, that's a good way to compensate for your weakness. Now we can really fight. And here's a slideshow. 
in the middle of this action-packed episode. It's like animated on the eights or something. It's really weird. It's not like saving time in order to progress things. It is literally a slideshow of Riku jumping out of the way. Like, it's so weird. It looks like they didn't finish the animation. But the thing is, even companies like Bandai Namco will usually go through and redo that for international and DVD releases, if that's the case. So yeah, it just it's, it's a very odd choice for this close combat fight. And then we get Rommel just explaining the he lowered center of gravity and he got more mobile. Yeah, and I do like that Riku starts using his swords almost more like a fencer in this mode as well and is less slashy with them. I also love that he deflects the sword away and it goes into the stands and right at the champion. The champion's like, I remember Tiger Wolf's training. I'm in a video game. It can't hurt me. But everyone else around him flinches. I love how everyone else is like panicking and he's just like watching like, huh, not bad. In fairness to his glasses secretary, she is like, get down, Mr. President, and not flinching away from it. Riku and Tiger Wolf are anime exhausted, but Riku's like, I have kicks, but... Tiger Wolf is like, I have a ranged throw. Those are super good in Smash Bros. Get over I have extendable arms. The build divers talk about how strong Tiger Wolf is. And he's like, you don't have time to be impressed, Riku. I'm going to use my secret move, which you've already seen. And he shoots a key blast at him. Except he didn't show him the golden version where he turns his Gundam gold. I swear he did in the Tequila Dan episode. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he turns gold in that one. I'd have to double check. And I really don't care enough to go looking. As I say, I've definitely seen him do it before, though, right? So Riku gets back up and basically resets his shoulders to their sh- the shoulder point to use his wings of light shield. Which is enough to block it, and then he goes Trans Am for like a second, but has to attach the backpack afterward. The animation on that was pretty well done when it was resetting. Yes. the like transform- Transformation is kind of a strong word in this series, where we have Gundam Megazords. But yeah, it looks very smooth and believable. So Rika goes back in with his sort of beam claw. I think that's supposed to be the shining finger off of the destiny. It like goes over his, the the shining finger on the destiny is in the palm. You're right. It is closer to the burning finger, actually. That's how the burning finger does it, is it wraps around his hand. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe is just something he added after he watched G Gundam to fight Tiger Wolf. Uh, so people are starting to think Riku's getting the upper hand, but is like, ah, he's going to get trounced. I like the random chicken that's in the audience. You got to have feathery representation, too. So uh, apparently Tiger Wolf, when he's serious, creates little thunderstorms. That sounds very G Gundam. He gets struck by lightning and equips his tiger and wolf hands onto himself and goes goal again and starts uh, saying some things. He tries to fire Riku, Riku dodges, but then he lightnings him and he's like, I have another special move, Raijin Thunder, which turns me into a dragon. And he does the anime thing where he passes through Riku. And Riku smashes into the ground behind him. Yep, it's actually pretty good. And he's like, you see, special moves can have variations. And he's like, I won't let you jump over this giant wall that I am so easily. And I won't let you smash it either, because I am super into this metaphor. Like ogres into vor metaphors. The walls are maybe a bit less creepy. And Wolf Rommel and uh, Kyoya are both basically like, yeah, he's done. This is over. But Riku tries to push himself up, even though the 00 sky is lightninging visibly. And Tiger's like, fine, I'll finish you off. Uh, the build divers, for some reason, tell him to throw in the towel as if there are stakes to this. Yeah, there's not really any reason to just quit. It's not like his Gundam is going to be damaged in real life or anything like that. Yeah, it's the Build Divers problem. There's a very similar episode of Build Fighters, but again, it gets the benefit of right before it, it talks about how hard the guy worked on his Gumpla and how it's always been his partner. Again, it's the lack of stakes from Build Divers, so it's like, it doesn't matter if he 
throws in the towel or not. It's the same result. But Sarah's like, yeah, he can still fight. I believe in him. Again, if there were any stakes to this, this might would be a pretty cool, if generic, shonen moment. But there aren't. Well, I mean, those generic shonen moments are still used for a reason. Look, they're good. I do have a podcast where I talk all about shonen moments. Riku takes another hit, and his error status starts showing up around him. And Riku's like, hey, sp- variations, maybe. His error status is currently a hazard. He's got errors in his legs, his torso, his, the little scar on him. I do like how the sword that he used before is listed as lost, the one that got knocked out of his hand and dissolved. So Riku's like, I have an idea, but what kind of backlash is it going to have on the double O sky as he is blocking the fire and more and more errors are popping off? Again, now that it really matters. Well, that's what he comes to. He's like, well, I have to do it. And it would matter in a, like, if you make a super cool special move that disables you afterward, it's a bad special move. In a 1v1, it's actually not that bad of a special move if it's got like an AoE and it knocks out everything within the AoE if you have a team. Well, sure. What I'm saying is that the stakes to that are extant, I believe, in a way that like his Gumpla getting damage in general isn't. Like, oh, if I do this move and it disables me, I lose. And like, it's not to say you can't use it, especially in a team game, like you said, Zach, but that is actually stakes. And we can't have those. <laughs> So the give up screen pops up for Riku for some reason, as if it's like, yeah, you've had enough errors that you probably should. He's like, no, I haven't even transamped yet. We get a good surprise doge face from Tiger Wolf, which is hilarious. I mean, this whole thing is pretty well animated. Yeah, as he transams and draws his other sword, and then it gets wrapped up in one of his wings and turns into a beam katana. It looks pretty good. It's a bit super robot for my taste, but it's fine. Yeah, it is very Super Robot Wars. Tiger Wolf responds with his special move, but Riku cuts the fire in half. And also, the battlefield, there's a pretty big explosion. Oh, man. I just realized that there's an outside possibility if we get another Super Robot Wars, the build divers stuff might be in it. I mean, they've never put build fighters in it, and they still haven't put IBO. They're a thousand percent going to put IBO in before build divers. So the stadium is cut. Partially, we see Tiger Wolf's wolf and tiger heads have been sheared off. Maggie is super impressed by the special move as are Rommel and the champ. And Rommel's like, ah, lots of creativity in that Gumpla. And Charrier's like, also love. I got to get my line in. When I watched this, my immediate thought was, oh man, he has another bullshit power. (laughs) Yeah, I like the glow on it. It's very similar to the RG mode that the two build fighters characters mobile suits get. It's a good glow effect. But He's Gumpla starts exploding as soon as the scene is over. And we see Tiger Wolf is still standing and manages to catch him, even though a whole bunch of basically all of the ornamental bits on Tiger Wolf's suit are blown off. It actually looks very cool with just like the Gundam frame. It's also missing a hand. And Tiger Wolf's like, ah, you finally earned your special move. And Riku's like, what? But I do like this screen that's like, name your special move. You have a keyboard, right? It starts as finish move 01. I love that a lot. I mean, it's very video games, but like I said, I actually like this bit quite a bit. I like the idea of that popping up mid-combat, and you're like, ah, this is really not the time for me to be trying to come up with a name for this. To be fair, those screens come up in combat all the time, right? In, like, this digital environment, you could probably pretty easily ignore it. Although it does seem to be right in his center screen. But he also doesn't necessarily use that center screen a lot of times. Tiger's like, it's impressive. It even defeated my Raijin Thunder. You've gotten stronger, Riku. And he's like, ah... Praise, did I manage to repay the favor? And I love that Tiger Wolf's like, what? Not even close. Of course not. And then he just kicks him. You can't even stand up without me. You didn't adjust your machine for the output of your special move. So go fix your Gumpla. 
And then he, Zaxxas just punts him for the win. And the build divers have a moment of horror that he actually does that. They're like, that's totally unnecessary. Honestly, I think it's the only way to have ended that fight. I agree it's unnecessary, but it's also very Tiger Wolf. But the build divers are offended. I do like how Momoka and Ayame are super offended. And Koichi's just like, that was a little childish. I do like it as a turn for Ayame that she's super invested in Riku now. Like 10 episodes ago, Ayame would just be like, yeah, that makes sense. So Rommel's like, it was a good fight. Give me my binoculars, slave. Then he takes out the memory card and destroys it. And speaking of disingenuous moments, this is nothing, right? Yeah, this doesn't mean anything. Unless they were gathering information to sell to other people, like if that was the purpose, and that's why he's destroying it. But that also doesn't make sense. The thing is, Rommel was not in any way a heel before, right? This is not a face turn for Rommel of, oh, I was doing a dastardly thing, but now I'm doing a good thing. I mean, Rommel's always been a face. And, like, he still saw it. Like, now I guess he can't show the replay to his squad or whatever, but it's nothing. I chose to take it somewhat facetiously, and he decided that it's not even worth keeping data on because he knows he can just crush both of them. I actually like that. He needs a line for that, though. And that's really the only the kind of thing that you would actually get out of a heel character. But Rommel has been a semi-heel character at times, right? For comedic effect? Like when he's like, oh, my team lost, I'm going to have to whip them into shape. But that's not really being a heel character to the characters. That's just being the other guy's commanding officer. Yeah. Although, is there really a heel in Build Divers? Like Tsukasa, I guess. Ogre, I think, is the closest we're getting. But he's, like, not in any way evil, right? In fact, he's all about honor. I guess Doji would have been before. He's now redeemed himself. But, like, Ogre was all about a fair fight, right? And still is. He is antagonistic, certainly, but I don't think he's a heel. For whatever reason, I was getting antagonistic and heel mixed up. And I don't even think Rommel's ever really been a heel character, either. Like I said, the scene is nothing. And Tiger Girl's like, yeah, I'm the greatest. I was actually going to ask what you make of Sharyar's fist clench there. I'm not sure what exactly that was supposed to convey. He's upset that his lover almost got his ass kicked. Yeah, is he upset with Tiger Wolf for... I don't know. I think the way you're supposed to take it is that Sharyar is annoyed that Tiger Wolf got the first crack at Riku. I take it as very, like, shonen rivalry. I take it as more determined than anything else. Yeah, one like, once Riku gets to me, if he ever does, I'm not going to let him go past. Yeah, and also Tiger Wolf. I'm going to beat him, too. So we cut to a balcony where Tiger Wolf and Riku are chatting afterwards. I do love the little, like, cleaning things in the middle of the arena. And Tiger Wolf's like, I can't believe you figured out that special move, like, in the middle of a battle. That's pretty impressive. And he's like, yeah, it's when you said they had variations. I was like, what if I wrapped my weird wings around a sword and did a katana? That would be cool, right? But my machine couldn't handle it. And Tiger Wolf's like, well, you know what to do then. He's like, yep. Polish my Gumpla, I mean fix my Gumpla, and challenge you again. And keep doing it until I finally win. Whereas all the build divers are peeking around a corner or listening in. This is like the one joke that I actually think really lands. When like Tiger Wolf laughs at him, and Riku's like, what's so funny? Tiger Wolf's like, wow, so that's how that feels. I actually think it really works as an ending. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good way to end the episode. And that's the end of the episode. But wait... There's more, and it's meaningful and impactful and not at all a waste of time. We cut back to the GM, who's being told, GM, bugs, still. There aren't any, like, at that cool tournament or anything. But there's a trend in the outbreak points, and they're moving. It depends on the time slot. And GM is like, that's meaningless psychobabble. I don't know what you're talking about. Why do I even pay this guy? And that's the end of the episode. No birds this time. Yeah, no birds. Did they have Molly? I just realized that I don't think we saw Molly that entire episode. 
she was in the pool for sure. Yeah, Sarah was carrying her pretty much the entire time. She was just background. Like when we focused on Sarah, we were actually focusing on Sarah and her Gundam Loraxing. So there wasn't any like cute Molly shenanigans, but Ball was definitely there. I was like, did they just forget to animate it into an episode? Because I could totally see them doing that. I mean, it's the problem with a pet character like that is that unless you draw attention to it to do something cute, it's entirely, I was going to say pointless, which is not the word I want, but ancillary. It's just like, oh, did they forget her like flower brooch that they gave her in that one episode? No, they didn't. But like, you don't notice it ever because it's not animate. But talking about that episode, I think I like it a bit more. The fight, I think, is actually, for the most part, pretty good. There are just a few scenes when it's like, why did you run out of money here? But yeah, like talking about it, I liked it a lot more. I think it's like ill-positioned. Like this is a great episode 13. As an episode 18, where we're going towards the end, it feels like it's a weird inversion, right? Where in early Build Divers, Riku always succeeded without problems. And now he's struggling and it just feels really weird. Especially since it's been trying to build up to the raid battle and like implying that Riku might be a serious contender and we just see him lose. So maybe not that big of a deal. I mean, that part's not that big of a deal. It's just, it's an inversion of the character who starts out and is struggling and gets better and better. Now it's like, okay, he's gotten, he's he's strong player. He's improved and, but he doesn't seem to be actually showing that anymore. Now it seems like he's struggling a lot more to do anything. And especially because we don't know exactly like how the rankings work or the, for lack of a better term, esports scene for this. It's hard to determine exactly what he's working towards. Yeah, and the reg- raid battle is so vague, right? Like it's a thing that's going to come up of like, oh, this is coming up and it's going to be important. But we have absolutely zero detail on it. Yeah, it's an event name, but we don't actually know anything about it. So do you have a high point, Tyler? I will say I really like the animation for Riku's final attack. The weird shimmery effect being on screen longer makes it feel pretty cool. Also, Shining Finger Swords is just a great attack, and that's basically all it was. Zach, do you have a high point? I think I might have to just give it to when the sword goes into the barrier and the champ doesn't react, whereas everybody else is panicking around him. I mean, that one did make me laugh a bit. I'm going to go with the ending where Tiger Wolf's like, oh my god, you're just like me, Riku. I think that's actually a well-paid-off joke. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I'm going to say specifically that one slideshow part of the fight. Like, I mentioned early on that this show has been fairly good about its animation and the fact that they chose to just skip over part of a fight with actually kind of some stakes is just really disappointing. Yeah, that is the obvious one. I think I'm going to go with the Rommel thing at the end where he breaks the card because it doesn't like that's meaningless it doesn't have anything there we discussed it briefly Rommel's never been a heel character it's not like he's selling data to anybody it's just like all right I broke this data card but why yeah it also doesn't establish him as a huge face either because he still saw it it's such a weird half measure that means nothing I was gonna take that so now I have to think I guess, like, the weird vagueness about Riku's Wings of Light Trans Am, like, always seemed like a special move, right? You guys were referring to it as such. And I knew it wasn't, and so I didn't say anything. But it still feels like that, right? And he's even like, oh, variations, what if I did this? It would make sense if that was his special move, and the one he used in this episode was a variation of it. Especially because that's what Tiger Wolf was talking about at the time. Yeah. It just is weird mechanically, right? Even though I think it actually ends up working okay. Do we have any other final thoughts? I found it to be kind of nothing when I watched it, but talking about it actually improved my opinion of the episode quite a bit. Yeah, I thought it was 
okay, it's a fight with some actual stakes. Despite the fact that I agree it's not like the right time for this story beat, I do like that Riku actually lost. It feels like it gives him something to actually work towards. Like, there's a lot of stuff that this episode did well if this episode happened, like you said, maybe about five or six before this. And I think that's why talking about it improved my opinion of it. Because now I just have to work with what is the episode doing. And on its own, the episode is actually fine to good. The problem is what's around it. Zach, do you have any final thoughts? It's another episode of Build Divers. There's not a lot going on. Talking about it made me a little bit more charitable towards it than when I watched it on my own. All right. Join us next week when we will be watching episode 19, Not a Shiko Athlon, an episode I think we will have a lot to say about. So Tyler, was this Gundam or was this Isekai? This is a really hard one for me because I don't really feel like it's either. I'm going to give it to Gundam. It's a martial arts tournament and giant fighting robots. By definition, because of the fact that G Gundam exists, we got to give it to a Gundam. That's a valid argument. It is specifically G Gundam? Yes. All right. Join us next week, everybody. Bye.